You're listening to the Independent Mom Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to own your finances, reimagine your motherhood, and live a wealthy life with or without a partner. And I'm your host, Arielle Dean. All right, let's dive in. Hey, independent moms, welcome back to another episode. Today I sat down with Bree Smith, who has such an interesting story of going from being a teenage mom to actually being in a role where she was managing finances and trust and taxes for high earners. And she talks about all of the tips and the strategies that she learned just by helping dealing with people's money um, and their taxes. And so now she has turned that into her own business, helping more families like her. So excited to jump in. Uh, so let's get started. So Brie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining the Independent Mom. Um, I want to give a little bit of backstory on Brie. So Brie Smith is a CPA and wealth strategist who helps families achieve financial freedom through effective financial planning. With over five years of experience managing finances for high earners, Brie inspires parents to build legacies, achieve dream goals, and end generational poverty. Her mission is to help millions of families become wealthy and able to leave an inheritance for multiple generations. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Brie. I am super excited to have you here. Um, and thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having so I wanted me. To, happy to be here. Uh, I wanted to take a little bit of a step back. So that's sort of where you are today. Obviously, a lot of what your mission and goal is, but it took a journey, I'm imagining, right, for you to get here. And so I'd love if you could talk to me a little bit about your turning point, right? What when, what was the thing or when was the moment that you knew you needed or wanted to get serious about your finances? Well, I was 17 and I was pregnant with my daughter um, while I was in my senior year of high school. And so um, I knew that I had to make a life for my daughter. And so I was on a mission from that point on to make sure that I gave my baby the best life possible and that she did not feel uh, any of the statistics that come with the teenage mom story, you know? Um, So that was my, I guess, turning point, which is is crazy because basically my entire adult life, I've had to be great with finances because Mm -hmm. I have a little person looking up to me. Mm-hmm. So what did you, what did you do? How did you know what were the next steps to do to get into? So I've always been an avid reader and I've always been amazing at math. And so, um, my first steps were to read, to study. Um, my mom was a teacher. I have a lifelong learner. So who is it that's being successful with money right now? Who do I know that's successful with money that I can talk to, which were my grandparents? And then who um, was it that I looked out at, you know, out in the world that was doing great with finances um, that I could get advice from? And so I just took that um, approach. What What would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have about finances? Like what are some of the things that now that you've gotten more into understanding that, what would you say are some of those biggest challenges or misconceptions that you often run up against? Oh, so they're the biggest challenges I would say that people have are that they think 
they think their credit is everything. Um, and usually what I tell my clients is they're, they come to me and they're like, I just want to get my credit right so that I can buy this house or whatever the case may be. And they don't understand that your credit is usually just a reflection of your poor money habits. So we need to change mm-hmm. your habits so that we can truly have you get good credit because I don't like to do what I call play whack-a-mole. And so there's a lot of credit repair places that will dispute every single thing on your credit report, even though you owe it. And say, oh, they didn't get your middle initial right, or I'm sure they don't have your full social, and or they will try and find the slightest technicality to get you out of paying the debt that you know you owe. And so, um, I don't agree with that. I feel like out of integrity, if we owe those people, we're gonna pay those people. That's just simple as that. Um, but also, if we correct our habits, our credit will follow. It will show that we've corrected our habits. It will, because it's just a snapshot in time of how you're hand, handling and managing your finances. Mm-hmm. And so credit is also not the end all be all, because if you're not also looking to go out here and get into a lot more debt, because that's all credit is used for, right? To go into debt. If you could pay for cash for everything, you don't necessarily need credit. So you, there would be no point in credit if we all paid for everything cash. And that's not to say <laughs> that I'm against credit cards because I have plenty of them and I use them to the best of their ability to give me all my rewards. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like a discount. Um, <laughs> but just to say that, um, stay within your means because I like to pay off right. my credit cards down to zero every single week. So it's like, yes, let me go get those cash back rewards, but also let me not spend more money than I actually have available in my bank account that I can then pay off my credit cards with, because I don't want to be in a predicament where I'm looking crazy and playing 20 plus percent in interest rates because mm-hmm. I decided that I needed to have something that was not necessarily a necessity, was just a want and a desire for that quick moment that I won't even care about in a few months when I'm still paying this card day. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think, right, debt has a lot of interesting places depending on what you're trying to do, but I definitely think credit card debt is so hard and so bad because it does affect your credit, right? And once you have poor credit, that affects so many of your choices and options, right? It affects your ability to get loans, to start a business, to buy a home, to to finance things. And so it just becomes such an unlock if you can get your credit in a good place. And credit card debt generally is the biggest thing that hurts people on their credit if they're paying late or if they're behind. Um, so I think that is really important to to emphasize for people. What are some of the other, um, you know, strategies or things that as a wealth strategist, you are most trying to impart to the people that you work with? So when it comes to people that I work with, I want them to first be clear on what their goals are, because I think that makes a huge world of difference. If you don't have any goals, if you don't have anything that you're looking towards, then it doesn't matter how you spend your money every day, right? You're going to just go ahead and spend it on uh, what's going to make you happy right now, whether it be a bag of Cheetos or it be that beautiful purse that you saw when you were walking past the outlet mall, whatever the case may be. Um, You're going to get what makes you happy in that moment. However, if instead you say, hey, look, I know what my goals are and it's for me to buy a house for my family um, that we can all enjoy and have space in. It's for me to be able to have X amount of rental properties so that I can retire at age 35 so that I don't, I'll have the option not to work for anyone else if I don't want to and just travel the world with my kiddos. Um, Or I want to be able to live in another country half of the year or the entire year um, based off of just my passive income and live a comfortable life or you know, whatever it is. So I talk to them about big dream goals because when we become adults, sometimes we just let those go. 
we mm-hmm. say, um, that can't happen. That's too hard. Only so-and-so can do that because, you know, um, they have this perfect life or it worked out great for them. But we don't think that it's possible for us anymore. And we may tell our children, you can do anything, baby. Mm-hmm. I believe in you. You can do whatever you want to do, right? But then for ourselves, we think that we just have to work this dead-end job that we hate going to every Monday morning and that we're just waiting for Friday every week, right? And so yeah. I say, hey, let's let's get out of that. And let's say, what is your true dream? Because you can still achieve that. And so what are your dream goals? What kind of life do you want to live ultimately? And we're going to make that happen. That's what we're making a plan for. We're not making a plan for us to stay in the rat race and um, stay with America's dream that we've been Mm -hmm. fed for years and Mm -hmm. years and decades, right? Instead, we're going to go with what our heart truly desires and what we maybe only keep to ourselves and may not even want to tell our spouse about because we're like, they'll think I'm crazy. And so um, it's just that mindset is the very first thing. I know it's a lot of strategies, like I said, but when it comes to the money, that's just math. We can figure Mm. the math out, but why does this matter? You know, why do you want to do different with your money? Why do you want to have, you know, $10,000 saved? Everyone comes to me and they say, I want to buy a house. I want to get out of debt. And I want to save $10,000 for what? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like for what? It's just, and, and they say the exact same thing. So it's just like, okay, for some reason you think that $10,000 is a safe amount of money to have in the bank account. You think that getting out of debt is what you're supposed to do. That's the adult thing to do. So yeah, I'm going to say that. And buying a house is what I'm told I need to do as well. And I think that real estate is the number one way to build generational wealth. But why are you buying a house? Are you buying a house because America told you so or because your friends Mm -hmm. are doing it? Or you think that's what it means to be an adult? Or are you buying a house because you're strategically thinking ahead that, okay, I'm going to go buy this house and this is going to be my dream home that we stay in. And then I'm going to have it paid off in X amount of time. And then I'm going to live without the biggest expense that I have. Or are you thinking, I'm going to go buy this house and it's going to be set up for a rental property. So in two to three years, I'm going to go buy another one and another one Mm -hmm, and another one. mm -hmm. And I'm going to build a portfolio that's then going to take care of me and my children and my family. And maybe I'm going to be able to gift my children some houses when they turn 18. Like, you know, it's just a different mindset. It's Mm -hmm. a different mindset mindset. So um, I just want to get very crystal clear on like, what is your mindset? What is it that you're trying to do? And why are you trying to do it? Because you know, when they're like 75% off free shipping today, and you like, oh, I'm about to go on a spree. Instead, you'd be like, no, um, I already got enough clothes. That wasn't in my Mm -hmm. budget. That wasn't in my plan. So their sale makes no difference. I'm going to instead go ahead and go forward with my goals. Or maybe you see that sale and you're like, See, next month, I was about to spend $1,000 on clothes. I could probably get the same amount of stuff for just 500 bucks since they're having right, a sale right, right now. Right. Let me go forward with it. So it's not to say you deprive yourself of all the fun things or all the great things, but instead you do it in a way that is in line with your goals and what you're trying to reach in the long run. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that is it's so important, right, to get really clear on what it is you value. How did you, how did you get to that place? Right. I think for a lot of people, it feels like they know what to do, but actually implementing it, doing it right. Is is sometimes the gap, right. Knowing and doing are not always the same thing. So talk to me a little bit about what helped you make that mindset shift or understand, right. This is the thing that I'm going to have to do, or, or how do I start to think about what that general generational wealth might look like? 
So again, that goes back to my oldest, my daughter. Um, I have to say she's the reason. So my entire adult life, I've been responsible with money. Um, I haven't really made a lot of mistakes with money. Um, my biggest mistake was selling my car to, for too cheap. I traded it in for $600 <laughs> at a dealership instead of like selling it myself for $3,000. Um, it was mm-hmm. an old Saturn. Like that was my biggest financial mistake. Um, so I didn't necessarily do bad with money my adult life because I was a teenage mom. So mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't have that option. And so... Um, I never, you know, I had friends and coworkers and they had a beautiful latest car and they're driving around, they're doing great and they're living with their parents and they're fine. And instead it was like, I had to get out of a twin size bed with my daughter um, at my Mm. grandparents' house that we were sharing. And I was like, I got to give her a better life. And on top of that, um, just... I just knew that I went ahead and researched. I found out that by age three, that's when kids' memories start. And so I said, I have until she's three years old to be able to make something happen because Mm. I don't want my child to remember the struggle. So by age two, she was in private school. And um, by age three, I had bought our first house. And so um, I started the process of buying my house at 20 when she was two and I was 20. And then I closed on it a couple months later. And so she had turned three and I had turned 21. It was a week after my 21st birthday. And we moved into our very first home. And so my daughter only remembers living in houses that her mommy owned. And so um, I think that that was the biggest goal for me. And even though I wasn't planning on buying a house, anyone that hears my story, they know I kind of bought a house on a whim. (laughs) Um, Wow. How does that happen? (laughs) So um, I'll, I'll tell you that. So yeah, but I bought my house on a whim, but it was just like, Oh wow, I did it. Like I, mm. I, I, I met my mark. And so um basically, um, like I said, I went to school, I was accounting and finance double major, right? So what do accounting and finance nerds do at two o'clock in the morning? We look up and see, is it true that I could own a house for less than I'm paying in rent right now? And so mm. <laughs> that's what I was doing. And so yeah. I went to, um, I was playing with mortgage calculators. I might've just been playing with some regular finance calculators, ran across a mortgage one. And basically you put how much you want to pay each month. And so I put in that um, my rent right then at that time was six twenty five a month. So I was like, wow. there ain't no way I'm going to pay less than $6.25 a month right, for a house, right. right? So, but I was like, let's just put it in. I got nothing better to do with my time right now. So I put that in and then I saw that that said that I could buy a house. Let's just say it was between seventy dollars and $100,000, something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was like, hmm. Well, let me try and find stuff closer to 70 because I'm frugal. I want to save money. I want to save as much <laughs> as possible. And mm-hmm. so I went looking um, on Zillow and all the places. And I was like, oh, snap. There's some places available that I could buy right wow. now. And so I found some houses. I immediately started looking for a realtor. Um tried to find one through um, my bank was Navy federal at the time. So they had this program where you would get basically thousands of dollars back at close for using realtors that were connected to their Mm. network. So I had to find one that was connected to them so I could get some money back. And then from there, um, Oh, and you don't even have to do your financing, your mortgage with Navy federal to get that thousands of dollars back at close. Um, because 
I did not end up using them for my mortgage um, because they gave me a pre-approval. And then once we started the process within a couple of days, it was like, nope, we can't do your loan. Um, hmm. Which was, I went through like three different lenders before I was able to close on my first house. It was a struggle. Um, wow. I got denied left and right. So, um, but thank God for the amazing, amazing mortgage for persistence right yes yeah because once i was about to do it like i saw the house it was moving ready it was eighty five thousand dollars. we're doing this like right right right. in the corner from my family's house like from my great aunt who already watched my daughter for me when i went to class at night like it was it was perfect did you just sort of like save up over time? Like how were you, how were you able to have like the down payment or were you using any sort of programs or talk to me a little bit about how you were able to then be in that position to do that, right? So I didn't know about any grants or programs by the time, because like I said, I was up in the middle of the night. I quickly um, found a realtor, found my house and like was moving. Like this wow. was like the last week in December. I was under contract within a week two weeks at the most um, for the house. So I was under contract within two weeks. So I didn't have time to find out about grants or any of those mm-hmm. programs. Wish I would have known about it. I've heard other people have walked away with ten to $20,000 at close. Could have yeah. been my life. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> it was not. But like I said, I also was an avid saver. So I had over $20,000 already in the bank. Um, I didn't go shopping for the first few years of my daughter's life. She had everything, but I was still wearing clothes from middle and high school. Mm-hmm. Um, there was ve- it was very rare that I bought myself anything. It was very rare that I allowed myself um, really to enjoy stuff. Um, I had a two thousand two Saturn L one hundred. Like I. I had the bare bones. I was like, I'm going to ride this car to the wheels fall off. It's great. (laughs) Um, After I bought my house, though, I said, I'm going to get me a new car because I deserve it because I had Mm -hmm. years of not giving myself anything. Um, But um, yeah, I just, I was just determined. Oh, but the way I did it also was because I was making like $10 an hour. So, um, you don't get over 20 grand in a bank by making $10 an hour. <laughs> right. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but I ended up becoming a real, uh, insurance agent, not a real estate agent, an insurance agent. And when I became an insurance agent, I was able to make sometimes a thousand dollars a week. And so mm. whatever I didn't need for my necessities, I just put away in savings. Um, on top of that, all the jobs that I had worked while I was in school, they gave you tuition reimbursement up to $5,000, um, a year or a semester, whatever way it worked out. So every time they gave me that $5,000, I put it away in savings. Um, mm-hmm. When I was in school, they gave me a grant. Um, I didn't know about it, but I think it's because I got straight A's one semester. So the first semester of my sophomore year, I got straight A's. Right after that, they gave me a grant that paired with the Pell Grant paid for my entire schooling. Mm -hmm, So I was mm -hmm. still offered student loans and I took out the full amount because I was a single mom and being homeless was not right. Right. So. I said, I'm going to take out the full amount because y'all aren't going to offer it to me later if, say, this car breaks down or something. And I put <laughs> <Right>. it in the safe. And so I just took every bit of money and I just tucked it into savings. I would take summer classes and then I would pay for that out of the savings. But that's the only thing I used the savings for was if there was like a major car breakdown and I needed to get a new car, which only happened once, thank God. Um, once I got to <laughs> Saturn, it was tried and true and for summer classes. But other than that, 
money stayed in savings. So I was able to wow. have the money to close. So how did you go from, you just said, sir, you were an insurance agent. How did you go from, hey, insurance agent to now I want to help people with their wealth or sort of understanding some of the undercurrents to build generational wealth? So talk me through a little bit of that journey and what that was like. So I always wanted to help people with their wealth and things like that, right? So that's why I was going to school for accounting. But you couldn't start off as an accountant, um, while you were in college, they're not giving mm-hmm. the accounting role to an 18 year old. So I had to work wherever I could work. Um, so I didn't do a bookkeeper role for like two weeks. It was the most boring job of my entire life. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I just, I left that place and I went to go to be an insurance agent, which was a lot of fun. Um, hmm. And then from there, um, I found a job, a good paying job at the time for me as an accountant during my junior year. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I was an accountant there, I was able to do all of the financial reporting and statements for companies that had a ton of wealth in real estate. And so Mm -hmm. I would manage their money and I would write them their checks for $50,000, $100,000 a month. Um, I would give them out to, I would see the trust that they had set up and I would see how it would be three siblings that none of them bought the property. Um, my boss would tell me, oh, okay. Yeah. Like we used to manage it for their dad. Their dad died. Now, instead it goes to these three siblings. This one manages Mm -hmm. it. They don't really talk to each other, but here's 20K, 20K, (laughs) 30K going to each one because of something their dad did. Um, then I would see, you know, other checks. It was just crazy. Like they had trust inside of trust, inside of trust for these kids. And you would see on the trust, it was like the so-and-so grandchildren trust and -and so-and-so children trust. And so they would have irrevocable or revocable trust for their children, their grandchildren and different lineages. And you will see like a whole entire family where maybe the siblings have it set up instead to go into trust for their grandchildren or their individual mm-hmm. children. So you may see 10 different trusts on one property and how there's just money being stacked yes. for generations. And wow. so it was phenomenal to see. Um, and then after that, I went into do- being a tax CPA um, where I was able to see people that were getting paid a million dollars a year and how they had um, during their tax returns, we would have 600 pages of tax return um, documents oh to go through just to do their taxes. And I would see what it looked like when you make a million dollars a year. And I'll see what are they investing in? What stocks are they investing invested in? What businesses are they invested in? What real estate they're invested in? How sometimes mm-hmm. they're invested in real estate out of state because now they don't have to pay state income taxes on that money. So it's right. taking away some of that. Um, and then on top of that, you know, depreciation and other things we're able to utilize to help them to reduce their tax amounts. I mean, it was just, it was just great to see um, when you're someone's accountant, you're all up in their business. That is very true. Yeah. So it, it was great to manage the money of those that were extremely wealthy. But I was like, one, I want this to be me. I don't want to be the person managing mm. your money. I want to be the person making this kind of money that someone else needs to manage. Well, I'm going to always manage my own because ain't nobody stealing from me. But Right, right. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. And then also I was like, I really want to teach other people this. It it didn't matter how close I was getting to it. Like managing their money 
it was fun to see and to be on the inside of seeing that mm-hmm. um, for over five years. I mean, like, yeah, it's great to see. I, I know how your money's going. I'm writing you checks. I'm handling your money for you. Awesome. Right. Um, but <laughs> that didn't wake me up in the morning. That didn't get me excited. But when that I doesn't make me a millionaire. <laughs> right. Exactly. It doesn't. It does nothing for me and my family, me seeing yeah. how I'm helping your family stay rich. Um, but when I've had moments like with my client and I'm like, Hey, you know, just tell me, is there anything I can do better for you? And instead she tells me this has been life changing for me. I now know Mm. that I'm not crazy. The things that I knew I wanted to do are possible. It's really just math. You've shown me the numbers. Like I'm so excited for the future. Like it gets me choked up because it's like, Oh my God, I'm helping change someone else's family tree. She has children. She has a child that I'm not just impacting her life. I'm impacting her son's life. Um, I'm making a real difference in everyday people's lives right now. And that wakes me up every morning. That gets me excited to then say, okay, well, this weekend or this week, let me read something else up and see if Mm -hmm, I can help her, mm -hmm. you know, um, work this out just slightly differently or tune this in a little bit more because, I want to make sure that she exceeds all her goals. Yeah. Let me make sure I'm giving her the best strategies possible. Is there something else I can research to help her? Like that gets me excited. But me managing their money or doing their taxes or writing them $100,000 checks each month, it was like, this is a waste of my time. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that because... I think it's really true. I always think about that quote from Insecure where they said, I got tired of helping rich white men help rich white men get richer. <laughs> and, you know, I think there is, right, there's benefit to that. I think I've definitely benefited from that. And I think there is something to learning what they do. You know, to your point, if you had not <laughs> seen that, if you had not seen how those trusts, how that wealth was being built and passed down, it may not even triggered because so much of what we don't do is because we just don't know, right? And so much of our inability to access wealth is because for so long we haven't had the grandparents or the fathers, right, who were able to even know that this was how the system works and how the game gets played. And so it's helpful to know, right? But I think at some point you say, maybe I actually want to do this for my people, for me, for people who, you know, understand and want to do it for their families. And I also feel like moms are in such a unique space because when you are a mom, you have much more likely, right, of an outcome of actually helping your children, which by that definition starts to build some generational. And the more that I think moms are empowered around their wealth the more likely we are to see that sort of flow throughout generations and really replicate. So I think that is really important. And I I love that that was a lot of your pivot and your thinking. So I want to get specific, right? Let's think about what are some of the, and again, right, maybe not every single thing, but what are some maybe tips, some mindset shifts that you think are really important for any of our other independent moms who are listening to start to think about as they start to think about their money and their wealth journey? Okay, so for step one, get clear on your why. Why is this important to you? What are your dream goals? Even the ones you don't want to tell anyone about it. And you can start with that by just thinking about what is your perfect day? Write it out. Mm, I love that one, yeah. How do you achieve that perfect day, right? So that's step one. Step two, put your money where your mouth is with a budget. 
make sure that your spending is in line with those goals. If you're saying that, hey, I need to um, go on a family vacation every year or two family vacations, and I want $10,000 set aside just for those vacations, then you know that you need to be saving approximately $1,000 a month so that you can um, achieve that goal. And so Mm -hmm. every single month, you need to make sure that you have that $1,000 set aside or that $800 set aside so that you achieve that goal so that you will go on that vacation. Um, And it's just as important as your car note or your mortgage to you. Yeah, Um, yeah. So put your money where your mouth is with the budget. Now, you know, if something comes up, like you've definitely paid the house and the car note before you pay into your vacation. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, if the car breaks down, then maybe, you know, and you don't have the emergency savings set aside for that already, then yeah, you go ahead and you got to pivot. You got to do something a little Mm -hmm, different. Right. mm -hmm. Um, But also you could say that, Hey, maybe I don't have a budget for my purses or you know, this big shopping spree this month because it's more important to me to make sure that our car is running, we yeah, we pay yeah. all our bills and that we also have money set aside for vacation. So um, first thing is mindset, knowing what your dream goals are, with that, starting with that perfect day. Second thing is putting your mo- money where your mouth is with a budget. And then last, just having an overall plan for how you're going to reach your goals and obtain them and following that no matter what. So when you have that plan in place, um, you're going to do that by, um, let's just use the vacations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to say that, hey, I want to go on vacation mm-hmm. to Disney for Christmas instead of buying a bunch of presents that they're going to not care about in three months. And so instead, I'm going to be setting aside a thousand dollars a month so that we can have the most awesome Disney vacation they've ever mm-hmm. seen. And I'm putting that money aside. And now I'm planning to go there on the week of December 20th through the 27th. Um, that's going to be our time there. So now we're making it specific. We have our dates in mind. Um, we're going to go ahead and once we get a certain amount of money put in, then maybe we go ahead and book it on a credit card because we can pay it right off because we now have enough in savings. Maybe we're booking this in October, November. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but we know when we're going to book it, we're going to book it. And then we go on the vacation. So we have a plan mm-hmm. um, and we follow through on that plan. And it's really that simple for everything that you want to do. Um, so, you know, just get very crystal clear on what your goals are. Put your money where your mouth is with a budget. Have a plan that you follow no matter what. Um, and you'll reach any goal that you want to achieve. How do you help um, clients think about, you know, maybe it's not just the the, the trips are right now, right? Like, how do you help people think about what are some of the potential, right? What are some of the possibilities, other things that maybe they could start to think about for the longer term? So I usually do that with my one-on-one clients or through my group clients, um, through my course, the financial freedom plan. So I show them their six pillars that we go through. So we go through getting crystal clear on our dream goals. We go through budgeting and finding the best way to do it for them. Um, everything is custom um, for my clients because like how I manage my money is not how you're going to manage your money, right? Right, right. Um, and so we all need a custom way. Um And so we go through the best way for them to handle their budget. Then we go over saving, getting out of debt, um, repairing their own credit score. But lastly, which is my favorite module, is we go over investment strategies. So we go over freedom. And so I talk to them like, what's your financial freedom number? 
And so I talk to them about that and we figure out what that is. And then we figure out how much of it is going to be in stocks versus real estate versus um, businesses and giving us passive income. And then we talk about how in five to 10 years, you could actually retire or have the option to retire if you Mm -hmm. want to. So if you hate your job and don't, you know, get happy every Monday, (laughs) right? we we can set up something so that every Monday when you wake up, you're doing something of purpose. Because at 35, I mean, we still need something to do. (laughs) Right, right. It's true, right? A lot of people think you want to just retire, but it's like you might get bored just doing like, there might be a period of time where I'd like to just sit on a beach for a few years, right? But at some point, right, you start to search for that meaning and what is the reason why I get up every day and what's that purpose and how's that all come together? So I think that's important to think about. And that's why I said that's huge. Because some people love their job. And so or it's like maybe you can go do a job that doesn't pay as well, but will bring you more joy because your Mm. finances are set up in that way. So maybe you go become a teacher because you know that you want to help impact the next generation of minds out there. And maybe you didn't do it before because you're like, they don't get paid enough. Um, yeah. maybe you go and you start a nonprofit or maybe you go and start a for-profit business and you're selling your art or, you know, whatever it may be, you're just doing whatever it is that makes you happy and brings you joy each and every day that it doesn't necessarily feel like work because it does not yeah. feel like work when I'm helping my clients with their money. I'm like, this awesome. is fun. yeah no I think that's awesome it's true it it, when you when you figure out um you know what is it that I actually really enjoy doing and I feel like you know I spent a long time trying to get on this journey to figure that out and I and I think one of the things that I'd love to get your take on it is a lot of moms I think especially struggle with balancing right like trying to reach these financial goals or get to financial freedom while still you know, enjoying the moment, taking care of themselves a little bit. So what would you, you know, what is some of the advice or what do you think is important for moms, single moms um, in general to just to do to prioritize and balance versus, you know, these longer term financial freedom goals with also sort of taking care of themselves and and enjoying a little bit of their time right now? Put self-care in a budget. You know, Hmm. when I think about my dream life, I think about getting massages like twice a month. Like, put, yeah. put self-care in a budget. Like, if you love getting your hair and your nails done, just have it in the budget. I'm not saying that people need to be deprived of all the joys of life, right? Um, <laughs> I don't go get $500 hairstyles, but at the right. same time, um, I still like to look cute. Um, I still Mm -hmm. like to do certain things. Maybe I do my own nails. Um, Maybe I say, hey, look, I have time to set aside for me. Um, My husband does my nails right now, which is fun. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so we're bonding. I'm getting my nails done. I feel cute. Um, Right. (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's a great amount of time. But, you know, I feel like it's very important, like using the airplane analogy of putting your mask on first. So many times Mm -hmm. as moms, especially moms, wives, you name it, we pour into everyone, everyone and everything. But, you know, (sighs) we pour into them and then it's like our kids and homework and all the things where we will find ourselves exhausted, cranky, um, and at our wits end. And that's also why we may find ourselves screaming at our kids more or not mm-hmm. responding in a way that we would like to. So what's important to me is making sure I pour into myself. So sometimes it may sound selfish and my kids are asking me, they'll see me getting the nail stuff out because I'm about to do my nails. And they're like, mommy, are you going to do my nails too? 
have two beautiful girls. And mm-hmm. sometimes I do their nails too when I yeah. pull out the nail stuff. But sometimes I'm like, no, I'm doing something for me. Back off. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, exactly. like, this is my time. I didn't set up all the stuff. I'm right. Like, that movie, take these nails and call it a day. And I don't want to touch your feet today. Right. <laughs> right. Like, do your own. Um, you that know, is so, so true. Yeah. You just got to pour into yourself, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I also wanted to touch on your kids, right? So how are you setting them up for generational wealth and or what are you trying to teach or instill in them right now to to prepare them for that? So my kids, oh, they're my life. So mm. how I'm setting them up is one, um, like we already have our wills and stuff like that in place. Um you know, because getting a will done does not mean that you're about to die tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> right. I got a will done years ago. I'm still alive, people. Um, so please get your will done so that you can say where you want your money to go, how you want things to be handled. If God forbid something happens to me and my husband, I have it so that my money is left to my children. And even though they won't be 18, whoever gets them, it's my understanding from my lawyer that they're only going to be able to use those expenses for my children. They won't be able to mm-hmm. just use up all that money. And so <clears throat> I'm actually going to make my will a little bit more sophisticated soon so that like 80% of the money actually goes into a trust that doesn't get touched. I was just going to ask um, you, why do you choose a, a will over over a trust? Oh, I'll have both. You need to have both. Got it. Um, but before I was too broke to need a trust. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it was just like I had this $85,000 house and that was mm-hmm. going to be it. Now it's like we have a few more assets, praise the Lord. So now I can start thinking about that. that. And so 20% of it should be able to get them to age 18. I have, we have two, a 10 year old, a nine year old, a six year old and a 11 month old right now. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, they are my world. We're a blended family. The middle two are not mine biologically, but they are who God um, entrusted me with to be their mommy as well. And so uh, thinking about, you know, how do we want, what do we want to happen if we die? Who do we want to take care of them? But also, okay, 80% can go aside in the trust so that it can take care of any kind of college or small business they want to do or whatever it is they mm-hmm. want to do when they become grown. Um, and the rest they can live off on during this time period um, with whoever has them um, for that 20%. And then just also talking to them about finances. I have a lot of finance talks with my kids. Um, we do, uh, we do an allowance, but we don't do it for chores um, because chores are something you need to do because you live here and you benefit <laughs> from a clean environment just like I do. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. um, it's not just our job to clean up after you. It's our job as a family to work together to keep a clean space. So instead, we actually pay for them reading extra books or um, mm-hmm. we we'll pay them for writing um, if they decide to like write a good book report on it or something like that. So something that helps them to engage on the next level, they can get um, money for that instead because you don't get paid for the things that you have to do regardless. Cause I don't get paid to clean up this house. (laughs) 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 That's true. Yeah. 
Yeah, so just giving them like real life things. Um, so now I'm paying them to be intelligent. And then I teach them about <laughs> make sure you tithe with your money. Um, you know, give your 10% to God because that's been one of the biggest things that's helped me to be successful with money. Just me personally, I just believe in tithing. And so that's what we teach our children as well. And then we talk about stocks and what those are and things like that. So my daughter, we're actually about to set up an account for her so that she can buy, I think she wants to buy some Disney stock for Mm. her money. And so she has enough saved up where she can do that. The others don't have enough saved up to do that. Right. (laughs) Um, They spend all their money, you know, but we're all learning. And so we, we are teaching them different strategies. They're all learning. And then they may see what usually happens are the younger ones will, you know, take out little guy right now because he don't care what anyone does. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, but, he's a little <laughs> Yeah, but our middle two, they look at their big sister and they'll say, well, how come, you know, she gets to do this or how come she has that? So she mm-hmm. has like a few hundred dollars where she's actually saved that up. And because I'll tell her, okay, that's a lot of money. This part is going into savings. Don't touch that. And others right. will spend down to zero. And I'll say, hey, but so she'll be investing in stocks. She'll have her own brokerage accounts. Um, she's going to buy into companies that she finds a benefit that she thinks is going to be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have that discussion and then she'll get invested in it. And then um, she's going to watch her portfolio grow and be a part of it and just have fun with it. You know, just yeah. make it a game right now. So she doesn't have to invest in the way that I invest. Um, right, I don't invest right. in individual stocks. But I think it's more fun to her to invest for in her, yeah. stocks. And so whatever makes her want to invest, I'm with it. And then, you know, maybe <laughs> yes. she changes and she goes with my pattern or how I do things. Um, but I don't even go that deep with her. I just right now I'm like, oh, you know, you could own a part of Disney. And she's like, oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> she's like, that sounds good. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome to get them, get them excited about it. You know, I think very early on, I used to show my daughter the chart. And so she was like, so what does the red mean? What does the green mean on, on the, the platform that I use? And so just like helping her get into it and get excited about it and thinking about it. So I think that is, that is great. Before we switch into our four fast questions, um, the other question I just wanted to ask you is having having seen and worked with different people, um, whether it's wealthy people, what has been one of the most, I don't know if surprising is the right word, but what's the thing that you're like, wow, I'd never really thought about, or this is like a, a secret or something that you know it feels like people know that not everybody understands and that really is an unlock to, to building wealth? Hmm. I will say this. One of the things that was a game changer for me, um, I got to speak to a client that I saw that the year before they were a teacher and them and their husband maybe made like, let's say a hundred and something thousand dollars combined, but low 100s, like let's say a hundred to $120,000 combined. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, the year I was doing their taxes, they made over $500,000. Wow. And so I said, (laughs) <laughs> what happened here? What happened? Like, you know, um, now mind you, uh, they had very wealthy parents, um, or mm. she did, like that was making a lot of money. 
a year um, because a partner had told me like um, she wasn't the best at getting her stuff to us. And she was like, yeah, uh, we only deal with her because of her dad. And I was like, mm-hmm. she made a half a million dollars. What you mean? You just deal with her because of her dad. Like she seems pretty wealthy to me. <laughs> right, but, right. You know, the dad was really, you know, daddy Warbucks. And so uh, I talked to her and I said, hey, what is it that you do like what changed it for you? Because she went from being a school teacher, making fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars a year, a little over a hundred K with her husband, to now they have these investment properties and making mm. over half a million dollars. And she said, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant book. Yeah. Me. Now, mind you, I already read Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. So I was just like, Okay, like you know, he's just reiterating <laughs> himself and cash flow. Yeah. It's nothing big, but it was really a great book, and I was like, wow, like it it yeah. really um took me out of my comfort zone and made me think differently. Um, so it may not be a secret, but mm. um, I would definitely recommend one read Rich Dad Poor Dad because that that starts with a first level of thinking, but cash flow quadrants hits different. Yeah, really I agree. I agree. I was very hesitant to read it as well. I think I had a very similar and I was like, well, let me check it out. And it, I feel like it really breaks it down. Right. Cause people sort of summarize rich dad, poor dad, and you sort of get the gist, mm-hmm. but I feel like cash flow quadrant really does go deep and it helps to make it a lot clearer how the system really works and why it is so important to be, you know, on one side of the quadrant or the other. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Everyone can go and read that book as well. Uh, But before we wrap up, I wanted to do um, our independent mom four fast questions. So these are rapid fire, just first thing that comes to mind. What's one tip the listeners can do right now to get started on their money journey? Do a budget. Do a budget. Like, what has been... Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, that's the most important thing. If you do nothing else, do a budget. What has been the biggest influence in your journey to creating a wealthy life? My children and the life I want them to mm. have. Yeah, I love that. What do you most want other moms like you to know? Uh, you can do it. Because so often we're telling our children we can do it, but I want you to know that you can do it. Whatever it is that is on your heart to do, whatever you've set your mind to do, you can do it. Yes, yes. That's what I'm all about. And what does being an independent mom mean to you? I mean, it's just being a boss, right? Like, that's what we do as moms. We're (laughs) bosses. And so it just means being a boss, owning your destiny, owning the future Mm. that you're creating for yourself and your children, um, and, you know, taking full control of that instead of just allowing others to dictate what your life will be. Yes. Yes. A hundred times. Yes. Uh, so what is next for you? Talk to us a little bit about what you're working on um, and what's what's coming up for you. So I'm working on playing Monopoly in real life. Um, mm, I love just, that. Yes. I, <laughs> yep. And I stole that from Cashflow Quadrants. Yeah. Um, so uh, that is something I'm going to be working on in the very, very near future. Um, and uh, just one way that others 
I'm working on getting my um, course out to more people. So it's called the Financial Freedom Plan, and it's where I help people to reach their dream goals. Um, and I really think that it's going to be life changing. I know that it has been life changing for those that have gone through it and have worked with me so far. And so that is the biggest thing. Um, so my legacy is going to be playing Monopoly so that I can give my children houses when they turn 18 to manage themselves. And then also helping others change their family tree and just exterminate poverty from their line um, by helping mm. them reach their dream goals. Love that. Love that. Um, so where can the listeners learn more about you? So um, my website is BD as in day um, smithfinancial.com. And so that's going to be the best way to find all the things on me. I have a new podcast called 1322 Life Out, where I'm talking about inviting God into your finances. Um, it's on YouTube and wherever you stream your podcast, um, 13 with the little two dots, semicolon, you know, whatever you call it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, just finding me up there or um, I'm also on all platforms at Brie underscore D as in Day Smith. So Brie underscore D Smith. Awesome. Well, thank you, Bree. This has been super helpful. I appreciate you breaking all of this down. We will link to all of those um, in the show notes. And thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and some of the tips that you've learned. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today and tuning in to an episode of the Independent Mom podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please comment, rate, and review the podcast. Your feedback would mean the world to me. And until next time, please know that I appreciate you for lending me your time and your ears, and I will catch you in the next episode.